thank you that you are all that we need. So Lord, we come to you today and we ask you to provide what we need. We ask you to show us yourself in this moment, in these minutes. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the kids can be dismissed. Elementary that way, preschoolers that way. Nursery is back there too. And uh, you're welcome to, to go enjoy that if you're that age. Otherwise, you're stuck with me. Sorry. Um, now we're going to have a good time here. So, <laughs> okay, Pearly, I'm glad. I'm glad, glad you love me. All right. So today's message, God's overflowing generosity. So we're looking at 2 Kings 4, 1 to 7. So anybody know what this year is? A year for God's overflow. At the beginning of the year, we said this is going to be a year for God's overflow. And uh, Andy has continued to provide us with beautiful artwork about this year for God's overflow. And we've continued to see God overflowing in different ways. Um, and we're not going to stay, stay all the ways that it's been. But we continue to watch what he's doing and uh, continue to enjoy the artwork. As we think about God's, we remember that Ezekiel passage where the water flowed from under the, under the altar, from the temple out and made life everywhere it went. And it got deeper and deeper. And this is our chance to step a little deeper into God's overflow, to receive and rejoice in that river of God's overflow in 2022. So we're, we're doing a year of God's overflow, and we're going to take four weeks to talk about generosity as part of that overflow, a journey to generosity. So this is a favorite place of mine behind there that I'll talk about, Thompson Dam at Jay Cook State Park. Um, <clears throat> so first question, though, what do you need? And I gave you a sheet of paper, or one of the ushers did, I hope, to write down what you need. And uh, if you don't have a pen, you can put it on your phone, I guess. But uh, what do you need? You guys don't have? We need Jesus. Yeah, okay. But you can think beyond that. It's church, I know, but you can think about other stuff you need to. Okay. So write it down. If you, and if you don't have this sheet of paper in front of you, just make a mental note. What do you need? Youth, you don't, you don't have a pen, so what do you need? You know what you need? Yeah? Think about what you need. All right. You got that down? Because if you don't know what you need, it's hard to ask for it. It's hard to get it, right? We're going to start there. What do you need? All right. So God's overflowing generosity, 2 Kings. Um, so I mentioned Jay Cook is one of the favorite places of my, uh, my growing up. I used to bike there as a 6th, 7th grader, and uh, we'd pack a lunch and, and take, uh, take, some, take some time with some friends because it was just biking distance from my house. This is the view from the swinging bridge uh, earlier this month in October. 
I, uh, whenever I get up that way, if I get up that way, I like to stop over at Jay Cook. It's one of my favorite places to talk to God, too. It's 9,000 acres. Um, and the 9,000 acres is be, well, we'll find out why there's 9,000 acres set aside. But that's what it looked like in October. Um, May 15th, 14th, it looked like this. That's the swinging bridge. So there was a little more overflow. Anybody have a guess why there was more overflow? Well, here, I'll give you another shot. This is upstream. Um, and there's Thompson Dam, which is upstream of that. So Thompson Dam. So Thompson Dam actually blocks the river and sends it down a canal and then a pipe three miles away to a turbine. And that turbine uh, runs enough to, to run 30,000 homes. There's only 38,000 homes in Duluth. So almost every home in Duluth is run by, by this, this dam and the, and the turbine that comes from there. So, well, so why was it overflowing so much? Rain. Yes, it was spring, the snow was melting, it had gotten warm, and there was a bunch of rain. So it was overflowing. Now normally the dam blocks the river and makes it overflow down this canal and through this thing so that 30,000 homes can be powered. So sometimes we restrict the flow in some areas so that we can overflow in some other areas that'll, that'll be powerful, right? And as, actually, as, as I started this this week, I was like, this is really cool. They also have five reservoirs with dams that collect water in, uh, in the spring and then re or in the in all week in, or like in the spring, yeah, and then they release it all winter so that the, this dam and three others on this river can keep generating power all winter. And even they'll let the dam fill up at night when they don't need the power and then this one and then, and then lower it, run more when, they, when it's time to need more, need more uh, electricity. So it's pretty cool. Also, because they took out that big section of the river, they made 9,000 acres of state park, which is really cool overflow for me. Um, anyway, but God has this overflow. Oh, I said God. Right, I gave it away. Why is it overflowing? Because it rained. Well, who sent the rain? God. Right? Is that true? I realized as I was thinking about this that uh, I was reading about how Baal was the, was the rain god and the fertility god and the, the god of, and, and people went to him for rain and that's what Elijah and Elisha were saying. No, 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 don't do that. And so a lot of Elijah and Elisha's miracles were about water. Elisha had a lot of miracles about water because Baal was supposed to be in charge of that. And then I thought, well, what is it that we look to for prosperity or, or even rain? I thought, you know, I talk about climate change, listen to other people, little news articles about climate change. And people argue about whether people have control of it or not. And I thought, how much do I pray that God would change the climate? Like, God actually has control of the climate. Now, he did tell us to care for creation. And when we mess it up, there's consequences. So I, I need to pray for God to do stuff. And then I need to also ask him if there's something I should do. But I realized I don't pray that often. And how much do you, when you have a need, go to God first? And how much do you have other things that you're like, well, let me check my account, or let me uh, figure out if I got to, let me check my calendar, let me check with a friend. Um, 
Anyway, uh, though, the, so uh, this is part of our, our giving. We're trying, to, we're trying to give until that reservoir fills up and we can overflow and power some really cool things, like the Thompson Dam does. But this is not about, uh, this generosity series, by the way, is not about what we're trying to get from you. It's about what we want you to get from God. Because I think God's got so much joy, so much generosity he wants you to step into. I'm really excited about this series. Um, so we're starting with some stories of generosity. So in this, this week's uh, four weeks, we're going to have a lot of stories of generosity. In fact, next week is going to be all stories. We're going to have a panel just giving stories of generosity. And some of those stories are going to be from the Bible in these weeks, and some of them are going to be from now. So we're also videotaping some stories. And so... Here's the story from Berhanu and Katie Farka. And Berhanu is from uh, Ethiopia. Katie met him over there. And this is some of their story from members of our church. Got the sound? God has been generous to me, the Thomas, in the relationship mm -hmm. to give me that opposite of Thomas. <laughs> Yes. Yes. He has the gift of faith, so which balances us out. Yeah, she's right. So Thomas was he doubting, so he's right. So God, any, any side, God show you. Yes. If you are even Thomas or believer, God show you. Yeah. Right? Yes. So we learn from our families, but I also didn't want to go into crazy amounts of debt to get the nice house and the nice car and the other things that I'm seeing other family members do. So where is that middle ground, and how do, I, how do I steward what God has given me in a better way than I have in the past? And then how do we do that together? <laughs> and it's, it's hard. You're going, against the, you're going against a whole nother culture. And then this, this economic culture, um, and it's, it's insidious, this culture. And so God blessed me on his, her family. Mm -hmm. So that means that God, that's the special gift for me. That, and all my life is just covered in God's gift. Mm -hmm. I don't know, I have no word to tell about that. Mm -hmm. So when I was like six years or seven years old, I, got, I found Jesus that time. Uh -huh. Nobody tell me about Jesus, but mm -hmm. just in our rural area, one family, they found Jesus, and I want to get Jesus. Just I want, I asked him, and I got Jesus. So that Jesus lo loved me that I got his love. Yes. So his love protected me. His love covered me. His love made grow up me. Mm. He teached me from from like child, like seven years or eight years. Mm. From that time, I'm working and I'm teaching myself. Yeah. So that, that's why it's whole my life is is the the gift of God, so I have no word that about that. So the generosity really was <clears throat> being able to see that he has, he has the gift of faith, right? I am a Thomas, so I have to see it to believe it. So through our, our three-year history, so even before we met, God was speaking to him, saying that he was going to bring him a family. Um, and then through our, our marriage and our marriage apart for a year and a half, I could not see through the, that dark time. And he kept saying, you know, 
believe, believe it'll happen, you know, we'll be together. Um, our process was very, very quick, um, six months for all of the visa stuff to happen. Um, and COVID hit and it just like it did with millions of other people split up families. Um, so kept us apart for a long time. Um, and through that, he gave us the people we needed in our lives to support us. Um, gave me this church, <laughs> gave me Jessica, who was going through the same thing. Um, and it was still hard to see all of those things. So as we're on the back end of that, we've been here together for a year now with him in country that that now we're starting to see all of the ways God has provided for us. Um, and I think it's, it's hard to see through the haze, but it's a lot easier to see, like it's kind of like a door opening into a dark room mm -hmm. with the light shining behind. You're able to see, oh, there were lots of ways that God led us through the obstacles in this dark time. Uh, but there are still things that we are, um, we're hoping and praying for and that God continues to bless us, bless us with family, bless us with supportive family and an abundance of church families and a growing sense of belonging and, and feeling like we don't need to just be supported, but now we can, we can give back and support. But God supporting me, like he told me and he just did it. He told me and he did it. We were able to get a a car when we needed one. We'll be getting the blessing of a new car. He blessed me with a new job that is not stressful and does not have toxic culture and blessed him with a new job. Paycheck this two weeks. Yeah. So it's a great paycheck. Yeah, high one. So I, I believe God yeah. on my whole heart. Mm -hmm. So I'm saying I do my work and the God to his work. Yes. So what's your generosity story? I have one. My name is Jeshurun Ben Josiah. And uh, I live in the village of Tirzah in the kingdom of Israel. You know where Israel is? Near, at, near Moab and Edom? Just, just north of Judah. You know, you know where that is? Um, yeah, so I live there in a small farm tucked into the hills with my family and my mom, who's, who's too old to live on her own now. But we, live, we have a happy life. She's too old to care for herself. And I praise Yahweh, Yahweh, the God of heaven and earth, who has given me this life. Every day I praise him for his blessings to me. You see, my life could have been very, very different. I almost ended up as a slave. It happened when I was 10. I grew up in a loving family that served Yahweh. My, I was a PK. My, my dad was a prophet, so I was a prophet's kid. And he was one of those sons of the, sons of the prophets. And uh, maybe you heard some of them, um, Elijah and Elisha. I bet, bet you heard of them. Um, but, yeah, he wasn't any big shot. He was just a normal uh, prophet and uh, a decent prophet and a poor farmer. Uh, but uh, so we were often, uh, we were pretty poor. We didn't have a whole lot, but we trusted Yahweh and he, he put food on the table. Being a prophet, I always distracted him from being a better farmer. 
But he loved us. I remember when he used to take me in his arms and rub his whiskers into my head. Yeah. But then he died. When I was 10. And that was really hard. A week after his funeral, there was a knock on the door. And a large, stern man looked at me from head to foot. And he came in and he grabbed me. And I ran away from him and I grabbed him behind my mom's foot. He, he stooped down in a little one-room house. He turned to my mother and he said, You know, your husband owed me a great deal of money. Yes. I've come to collect what is due. You have the money. All right, I'm prepared to make a deal. Your two sons aren't worth much, but I'll take them and forgive the rest of your debt. Take them as slaves and you, I'll let you go. He grabbed for my arm. I pulled away from him and ran behind me. And Mama, please give, a, give me a little time. Give me a little time. The boys need me. And I'll need them when I get older. If they're gone, who will care for me in my old age? Okay, I'll be back after the Sabbath. We've had he turned and slammed the door on his way out. I buried my mom and my face in my mama's skirt. I said, I don't want to go with that man. Mama bent down and she hugged me. She said, it'll be okay, my son. Yahweh will provide. Yahweh cares for us. We're Yahweh Yiddish servants already. I stood back and I looked in her eyes. They were filled with tears. But there was also a confidence. Yahweh will provide. Later that day, a neighbor lady came by to visit. She was known as the local busybody. She said, I heard you have some trouble. I thought maybe she's going to give Mama something since Mama brought her food a bunch of times when she was sick. Instead, she said, well, why don't you go see the prophet of Baal? Maybe he can help you. But be sure to bring a sacrifice. Mama said, Yahweh cares for us. Mama said, Yahweh will provide for us. Besides, I have no sacrifice to give. You're a poor peasant woman. Why should Yahweh care about you? He's too big a God for that. Maybe this is not his specialty. You know, Baal is the God of prosperity and fertility and the rain. You've got to go to him for these things. As far as the sacrifice, the priest of Baal, maybe you're able to arrange something. Maybe one of your sons. I will trust in Yahweh alone. Mama stated as she showed her to the door. As she left, the woman called back, Your husband served Yahweh. Where did that get him? You may follow him if you serve Yahweh. That night, I didn't sleep very well. <laughs> was I going to be a slave? Mama said Yahweh was going to provide, but so little time. How could it be? Or would I be tied up on an altar and sacrificed? Was I going to be a slave or a sacrifice? I, I couldn't figure it out, and I couldn't sleep, and I didn't know how Yahweh could provide for so large a debt in so little time. The next morning when I woke, Mama had her sandals on. Where are you going, Mama? I'm going to see Elisha, prophet of Yahweh. Share the last leaf of bread with your brother. You divide it and let him choose his piece. There should be enough oil in the jar to flavor the bread. I'll be back by sunset. And she left. 
As the sun set behind my hill, the hills, my brother Jared saw Mama coming up the street. He ran out, Mama, Mama, what did, did Elisha give you money? No. He didn't give me money. When I told him our situation, he said, what can I do? Then he asked, what do you have in your house? I thought back to these four bare walls, this one room, this dirt floor. I said, nothing. We have nothing except for a little jar of oil. He was quiet for a long time. Then he said, go. Borrow containers from all of your neighbors. Get many. Do not get a few. Then shut the door behind you and your sons and pour into all of these. Set aside the full ones. That's all he said? That's all he said. I don't think I slept any better that night. I couldn't understand how barring empty pots could pay our debts. The next day, we collected all kinds of containers from our neighbors, big ones, little ones, everything they had from all of our neighbors. It was hard work. But soon our empty pots filled the empty house. It was jammed with empty pots of every kind. It looked like a potter's warehouse or a potterware party. Then Mama closed the door. She walked over and picked up the oil jar. Then when she tipped the gar jar, I was glad to see there was a little bit of oil left. That Jared and I had left a little bit, and then it kept pouring. She said, bring me another jar. I brought another jar, and she, she kept pouring into that jar, and, 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 she, and she filled that one up. So bring another jar, and she, we, she filled that one up. And, 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 and soon we were bringing more jars, and, and, and she was filling up more and more jars, and, and it, it just kept pouring out of the, of, of the and it was... We, she did, and I thought, oh man, we're going to be rich. We've got the secret jar. We've got the goose that lays a golden egg. We're going to get, this is awesome. And then bring another jar, bring another jar. Well, there are no more jars, Mama. And just then it ran out. Trip, trip. But the house was full of oil, full of jars of oil. And Mama said, praise Yahweh, hallelujah. I slept better that night. I, I, although I was so excited, I was tossing and turning then too. I, I couldn't, I was amazed. In the morning, Mom had her sandals on again. I said, where are you going, Mama? I want to go thank Elisha. I want to ask him what to do next. I want to be sure my next step is exactly what Yahweh wants. Don't tell anyone what's happened until I return. She told the man of God, and he said, go, sell, and pay, and live on what's left. You know, I'm kind of glad Elijah didn't come. Because then I might have thought it was Elisha that did that. I'm kind of glad the door was shut. Because then people might have thought it was for some kind of show or some kind of display. But it was just Yahweh, the God who created the earth and the heavens, caring about us in our little house. He saw us. She returned, and we sold all the oil. When the big man came, the next Sabbath, he grabbed for me, and we put cash in his hand. And he went away. And you know that oil didn't run out. 
That didn't run out until we were grown and we had our own families and our own farms. God provided what we needed. Uh, and somebody, you know, we tried to keep it private, but that kind of thing is hard to not have a story tell. So this is, the story even got written down. This is how it's put. Well, in Hebrew it's different, but this is how it's put. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered Yahweh. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slave. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all. She said, Except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars as, as each is filled. Put it to one side. She left them and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring and pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her sons, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. I love to tell that story because it means so much to me. Because it reminds me that life can be really difficult. But Yahweh is still a great God. He can still provide even the deepest needs. But I also love to tell the story because I get to hear other people's stories. Because when I tell them a story, they often have their own story. And then we get to trading stories. Uh, most of you here are believers, right? You, you trust Yahweh too? I know you call them different names. Like uh, sometimes you mispronounce it, call them Jehovah or um, Jesus, the Yahweh saves, uh, Yeshua. Um, but anyway, you, has, Yahweh, has Yahweh ever met a need for you? Has he ever provided for you? Maybe not stuff, maybe a relationship, or I don't know what you needed, but if he has, would you write it down on that piece of paper that you got? Just write yourself a note so you can remember how God has provided for you, what he's done for you. See, God is the first and most generous giver. He gives first. The rain is all from him. The flow is all from him. I don't know. Yeah, so write down your story. Or the how God's provided for you. And then turn to somebody next to you and share a story. Just one. Just short. Or a how. Maybe it's as simple as this beautiful day. Okay, can you turn to somebody else? Share a story? You might have to shift over next to somebody. Or turn around or...
I'm going to ask the Mork family to come on up. And Benny. Tiffany, go hear Sue's story. So we're going to have lots of chances to share stories in the next four weeks. I hope you continue to share stories with each other and think of stories throughout this time, generosity stories, starting with stories about how God has blessed you, how God has overflowed in your life. Um, so there's a story I've heard, there's a song I've heard around here that sounds kind of like something my mama would like to sing, except you mispronounce Yahweh, but other than that, it's pretty good. Um, so let's sing that. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, His grace is sufficient for me, for me, for me. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, His grace is sufficient for me. My God, just survive on Oh, 
down for a minute. You can stay up here. <clears throat> I don't know what needs you might have written down on your sheet of paper. Maybe your need is an empty money bag. Maybe it's an empty heart. Maybe it's loneliness. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's no friends, no children, no wife, no husband. Maybe it's loneliness. Maybe it's someone you care about whose life is empty or has a deep emptiness. When you look at your resources, you say, I have nothing. I don't have the time, the treasure, the talent, the spirituality, the knowledge, the love to meet this need. It looks like a lot of empty jars, a lot of hungry baby birds waiting, and you don't have anything to give. But your emptiness is an opportunity for God to fill. His grace is sufficient. He can fill your emptiness with his overflow. When I'm facing a need, I often think back to my mother. I picture her with her tear-stained face saying, Yahweh will provide. Then I try to remember what she did in our time of need, and I try to do the same. I follow the same four steps that she did to take advantage of God's, to receive God's generosity. I present my need to Yahweh and say, I need help. This is exactly what I need. Specifically, not just take care of me, I need my, but specifically what I need. And I don't go someplace else first. I don't look at something else first. I don't even look at my granary first. I, I present it to Yahweh first. And I just ask him, please, meet my need. And then I ask him what I should do. What, what's my part? What, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to plant some seeds? Am I supposed to talk to a friend? Am I supposed to do something else? Or, what, or am I just supposed to pray? What am I supposed to do? Supposed to get a job, supposed to, I, what, am I, what am I supposed to do? And then, even before I ask, I say, I will do whatever you show me. And then after I ask, I'm quiet, and I listen, and I ask, wait for him to tell me. Somehow, sometimes he talks through his words, sometimes he talks through another person, sometimes a lot of different ways. He talks to me. When God tells me what to do, I, I do it. He doesn't tell me right away. I keep asking him until I hear what I'm supposed to do. Maybe I'm supposed to just wait, and I do that. Often he uses what I have, even if it's just a little bit. He uses what I have. I'm surprised what he could do with what I have and what I don't have. And I do it wholeheartedly. I, I go and ask all the neighbors. Even though it was a crazy thing to do and people mocked us and tried to figure out what we were doing, I just do it because he said to do it. And then finally, whatever happens, I trust him. I trust him if he meets my need the way I want to or the time I want to or he doesn't meet my need. If, if, if When my father dies, or if I still trust him when it, I'm in debt. I still trust him when I get lots. I still trust him, but I keep asking. He cares about even little me, even little you. And you know, <laughs> sometimes I wish I had the magic oil jar. 
that, I, that would just take care of my needs, and then I wouldn't have to keep going back to Yahweh and depending on him and asking him if I had the magic words to say something and Yahweh would do it, or the way to do it, or the, that would, it seems like it'd be better, but actually, this way I keep in relationship with him. And some people think they have the magic words or the magic uh, oil, jar of oil from someplace, but Yahweh is not my servant. I'm his servant. So I just ask him for what I need, and then I do what he tells me to do. That's what servants do. So would you take the need that you thought about at the beginning, and let's pray that together right now. Yahweh, I come to you with my need. Would you tell him what your need is? Right now? I am ready to do whatever you show me to do. Please show me what I should do. And I will do it. And whatever happens, I commit to trusting you. Sing that one more time. So, oh, they moved on to the next song. No, Sorry. no, 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 no. We're ready. <laughs> We're good. Jehovah. 